Well, that comes out in March, and I guess the idea kind of sat for about two years. Why are these kitten virals so viral? What is it that makes them fascinating? What is it that my friend would love to send me, if I if she knew I would watch it, of a kitten video every single day? I mean, what is it that people sit and watch cats do these crazy things? Listening to Books for Kids with Timmy Bauer, a podcast dedicated to helping you discover new books and who their best audiences are. Whether you're looking to boost literacy in struggling readers, help kids with difficult life situations, or just enjoy more time with them through reading, this is the right place. Let's get into the show. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Books for Kids podcast. I am so excited. My guest today is Darcy Pattison. Darcy is an author of a bunch of uh, books, including a bunch of kids' books. She has 40 books in print, and she is the winner of multiple awards, including the National Science Teachers Association Outstanding Science Trade Book of the Year. She's won that award four times. Darcy, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. Darcy, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Uh, Darcy, you and I met at the uh, Arkansas Literacy Association's state conference how did that conference go for you it was fantastic i've been to the conference many times um but i think this was one of the nicest i've been to the people were uh friendlier for some reason i don't know why but it was just a really nice conference to connect with librarians and teachers really appreciated it yeah it was a great conference for me too and i'm not lying when i say this one of the highlights of it for me was meeting you and getting to talk to you and pick your brain and buy a whole bunch of your books. Yeah, and vice versa. It's really nice to pick your brain, too. <laughs> um, so, Darcy, something that I find really fascinating about you is that you have a tremendous research process that you go through for your books. And I remember in one of your talks, you were talking about your research process that you did for two of your books, Eclipse and Pollen. Will you talk a little bit about that for the guests? Yes, um, because I do a lot of science books, I have to be very careful to make sure that everything is correct in in the books. So I'm doing lots and lots of research to make sure that I get all the facts right. I go to Google um, Scholar. That's the, the part of Google where you can search for articles that have been published in, in um, professional journals. And um, so I look up articles there. I contact scientists um, for... Um, pollen. I actually uh, contacted a scientist in Germany and um, asked him questions about his original research, and he gave me permission to use his original photographs from the research. Um, so I'm I'm very very careful, and then I always make sure I find someone who can set the manuscript afterwards to make sure that I didn't make any stupid mistakes. <laughs> so uh, for Eclipse, it's a story about the solar system and about Einstein's theory of general relativity. I found the expert um, on this historical event, actually, um, not too far away from me. He's a professor at the University of Arkansas. I'm, I'm from Arkansas. So it was really nice to find him, but I make sure I find someone who is willing to go through the manuscript with a fine-tooth comb and make sure that I didn't make any single mistake at all. That's awesome. And so, like, when you're choosing your <clears throat> scientists that you're going to interview, is it just like a matter of like who can you get a hold of or like 
do you have a process for that or has it been different for every book? It's different for every book and my processes are always messy. You know, people want to know what's your process and I can't always tell you exactly, but what I'm looking for is someone who has an intimate knowledge of the subject matter, who was intimately involved in some way um, and is willing to talk to me because I find scientists sometimes that are wonderful resources, but they won't talk to me for whatever reason. They just don't have time or um, they're just not interested in publicity of, of any kind or whatever. It's fine, um, but I've got to have someone who's willing to talk to me and then someone I can find and then someone who really knows the subject matter. So on on Eclipse, it is a story of Einstein's um, theory of general relativity and how some astronomers proved it by photographing a solar eclipse. And it happens that my brother is a physicist. So in that case, my brother read the manuscript first. Um, that doesn't always happen, but he read it first. And then I found the scientist who is the the um, expert on this historical event and um, asked him if he would read it. But it was nice that my brother read it first. So I wasn't making really stupid mistakes. <laughs> when the expert read <laughs> has, it. has that happened where you've had to do like major rewrites because you were headed down one path and then a scientist was like, oh, wait a second. No, I, you know, I'm really careful. I don't want to waste their time. I want to be sure that when I go, I know what I'm talking about. I'm not just coming straight off the street. I have really researched my topic, and I do know what I'm talking about. But, for example, in the Eclipse story, the date that they announced the findings that, yes, their solar eclipse photos proved Einstein's theory of general relativity, that date I thought was November 7th, 1919, so 100 years ago on November 7th. But the scientists said no. He said it was reported in the newspapers on the 7th, but the meeting actually mm. happened on the 6th that night, um, and that made perfect sense, um, and I would never have caught that mistake. Man, um, but good that's, catch that's on that scientist. That, yeah, I mean, he just knows the material so intimately um, that it, it was easy for him to, to see that. That's awesome. So something that I think that your work does really well is you are able to connect, you know, literacy and storytelling with practical, you know, things that teachers are teaching in school. How um, how are you able to do that? Or <laughs> where is this coming from? <laughs> uh, well, first of all, I'm a storyteller. I'm always looking for a story. They were asking me, you know, what kinds of books do you write and why do you choose this topic over that? And there's many kinds of nonfiction. Um, <clears throat> and... I understand that, but for me, I want a story. So when I'm looking for a topic, it has to be a story, a beginning, a middle, and end. It has to build to a climax. It has to be exciting in some way. So first of all, I'm looking for that. And then the next thing is I'm really paying attention to the next generation science standards that most teachers have to deal with today. That's awesome. Yeah, you, you, and, and it sounds like you've had incredible success with just finding, you know, stories that fit not only are they great stories but then they also fit that niche of like here is what the teachers are teaching about yes so in the pollen story in second grade they have to study pollination so what does a second grader know about pollination you know it's just a way to reproduce flowers or plants or something so i make sure that in the book there's a very clear explanation of what pollination is however that's only like two pages of the book 
The rest of it is this story of Darwin finding a, a, an orchid from Madagascar and trying to figure out how this orchid could get pollinated. So it's a mystery also. It's a scientific mystery. Um, he, it takes him 130 years. You know, he's long dead. It, it took 130 yeah. years to prove his theories of how that, that plant would be uh, pollinated. So it's got a lot going for it, that story does, because it's the basics of the pollination, but it also is this nice mystery, and it also is Darwin, my goodness. You know, it had everything in it that I needed. Uh, it's such a compelling story, too. You have a knack for being able to find these strange, weird, exotic, different, out-of-nowhere <laughs> stories of things that happened. Um, and something I know our listeners will want to know is how do you get your ideas? Where, How are you coming up with this stuff? Well, uh, they come from everywhere. I mean, everything I am, everything I do is what I say. But specifically the science stories, I am researching those. You know, I look at this next generation science standards and I go, okay, in second grade they have to study erosion. So are there any good erosion books? Well, no, not really. Um, there's a few, but not, not anything, you know, that I, I would be fascinated by. So I'm going out looking for stories about erosion. I mean, that sounds dumb in some ways, but in some ways <laughs> it's exactly what I need to be doing. And I found a great one. It, that Erosion will be out in spring. Yeah, and it sounds like a, a relatively untapped market for, you know, an author, too. Like, you've just found a mine, and you figured out mm -hmm. how to mine it for stories. Well, but I also put my own spin on it. So you could write just a straight nonfiction about erosion, not a narrative. So my spin is that I'm doing some sort of historical narrative about it. And by adding that onto it, it's like my spin on it. And so, yeah, that makes it a small niche that's mine. But yeah. but anybody could write a story about erosion and, you know, just a straight, here's the facts. Yeah, and no one would want to read that. Well, I shouldn't say no one. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, some... you can make it interesting. I'm not saying that. A, a good writer could make that interesting, but yeah. it's not what I want to do. Well, switching gears a little bit, you have a fiction book coming out soon, a chapter book called When Kittens Go Viral. Talk a little yes. bit about this book that you've got coming out. Well, that comes out in March, and I guess the idea kind of sat for about two years. Why are these kitten virals so viral? What is it that makes them fascinating? What is it that my friend would love to send me, if, I, if she knew I would watch it, of a kitten video every single day? I mean, what is it that people sit and watch cats do these crazy things? And so I kind of thought about that for a while, and I thought, okay, well, let's just create this whole world for cats. What if they were in control? What if the cats had the movie studios? What if they were putting them out? Um, and so that, that idea kind of stuck for about two years until this summer when I decided, okay, it's time for me to write that. And I wrote it very fast. I had more fun writing this one than I have anything in a long time. It just sort of, I just allowed myself to play. I'm talking to my copy editor this week, and she says, did you know that most of the story is third person, and then certain chapters are like first person? It's like, no, I didn't even know that this time. Mm. I just played with it. Um, and I didn't really worry about that level of craft. I just let the craft go where it needed to go or what felt right for this story. It was just a lot of fun to play. Mm. So it's a story of a, a white Persian cat. She has odd-colored eyes, and she's born on a night of destiny. Will she become a star or not? 
I'm so excited. Uh, what's the target audience for that book? Uh, so this is for girls 8 to 12. I mean, it really is awesome. a kind of a girl story. Boys may read it also, but most of the time I want boys to read my stuff. I really try to write boy stuff. This time I consciously wrote one that I knew the girls would like. Awesome. Well, Darcy, it's been awesome talking to you. For, for people who are listening who want to connect with you more, where would you like me to send listeners? To mimshouse.com, M-I-M-S-H-O-U-S-E.com. That's the publisher of all these books. Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Timmy. There are so many books that have been written. Have you ever gone to the library with your kiddo and been overwhelmed trying to find something good to read? And forget it just being good. It needs to be good and at the right reading level, and about an interesting topic, and have a message you resonate with or themes you like. And books aren't labeled for the audiences that they're for. So part of why this podcast exists is to help with that problem. If you're happy with the content you're hearing, don't forget to leave a rating. You just scroll down with your thumb and hit the number of stars you think it deserved. And if you'd like to follow my progress as an author, go to Instagram and type Timmy Bauer. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I look forward to next time.